Network presents Football Time. Hey, hey, and welcome to the Football Time Podcast. We're back with an NFL season preview. We're going to start out in fantasy football. We bring with us long by his absence, but back and ready to go. Refresh Achilles Reign. Are you ready to get into some NFL football? I know you've been miserable the last couple months without it. Oh, buddy, it's been so long since we've had football, and it's just now around the corner. I can't wait. I'm really excited, and I have to admit, I'm a little nervous to get back into, you know, the flow of things, but I'm definitely excited to get back into it. Yeah, well, we're going to ease you back in right here, and we're just going to talk a little fantasy football. I don't think it's either of our probably favorite things to sort of do in the footballing world, but... uh, Anyway, it'll break us back into NFL football. We'll get to go over some of the players who we think will do well and won't do well. And then uh, our previews start this Friday. I believe we're doing uh, AFC East, NFC East. Is that right? Yeah, that sounds about right based off the schedule you sent, uh, Big Boss Man. Well, I I have a a, a lot of people telling me what shows. (laughs) David comes up to me every uh, day and is like, Blah, blah, blah. So uh, I got to have a little check on uh, what show we're recording when. So AFC East, NFC East, our football preview begins. And then we'll do two uh, divisions each week until the start of the season. And uh, I think right there, uh, right before the season kicks off, we'll do a little bit of uh, individual player awards, which probably ties in a little bit here with our fantasy football preview. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm really excited. I, I you know, it's, it feels like it's been forever. And I know that, you know, this whole pandemic thing probably didn't help. Uh, but the offseason did kind of fly by if you really just kind of stopped and, and, and looked at the whole situation with the draft and the combine and all that. You know, we didn't hear a lot of noise uh, because of COVID. But to some of us, it felt really long. Uh, but now, in retrospect, I think it kind of flew by. Yeah, definitely so. All right, so let's get into some fantasy football. So what is your history with fantasy football? How did you get started? When did you get started? Oh, man. So, you know, now I don't have as much time for fantasy. I I, I tend to do more of the daily thing now. Uh, But fantasy was my go-to. I loved fantasy football. Um, And I think for a lot of people, fantasy – got them a little more closer to the game. Uh, I know that for me, it opened my eyes to a lot of different players. Uh, As you know, and as a lot of people know, uh, I'm a Ram fan. And back when I started playing, they were still in St. Louis. Um, So I knew about the St. Louis players, you know, the Marshall Falks, the Steven Jacksons, the, you know, the Mark Bolgers, those guys. And I didn't really know anybody outside of the NFC West. So for me, fantasy football really kind of opened up the uh, the floodgates, so to speak, as far as like, you know, all the other teams in the NFL. Um, and it gave me a, a greater appreciation for uh, not just the talent out there, but, you know, the competitiveness and the skill that it actually takes uh, to be one of these uh, top players. So I, I, that's how fantasy impacted me. And um, again, this was a long time ago, but I, I still remember like it's yesterday and I still have my account. So every now and then I'll log in and go and uh, look at my trophies. Uh, but what about you? Well, uh, 
I, as you might imagine, I got into it at a, a very, very young age. It, it was actually the first thing I really, really got into. We're talking like really early 90s before we even had the uh, fun of the computer to uh, make this uh, much, much easier. Uh, I, I was going to ask, did you get into it around the time where you had to like grab the newspaper and then, you know, kind of add up the stats on your own? Yes. Or uh, uh, in like fifth grade, uh, anybody who probably is 35 or older, the Sporting News, uh, you know, used to publish their little newspaper thing weekly, and they'd have that little fantasy football thing where you did it by salary cap, and you added it up, and a handful of us goofballs all made our own league and built our teams and uh, sort of tried to um, hand uh, do the stats every week. Uh, as you might imagine, uh, it, it, it didn't make it too long in there. Uh, shady shenanigans were uh, uh, going on, and everybody thought everybody else was cheating on the stats. Uh, but uh, I, I guess that's what you get when you get fifth and sixth graders doing the stats. But I really got into it. And then uh, once the internet sort of hit, and you got to be able to do your drafts and stuff uh, online. Uh, they aren't as clean and smooth as they were back in that mid-90s period. Uh, they didn't even have the players like ranked. You had to literally go <laughs> name. And then if you had uh, players of the same name, it, 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 was, oh, a, yeah. it was a fun chore uh, to find somebody. So uh, back to those days. And then as it got modern, I, I think I got a little bit less and less into it as uh, – you know, more and more stuff came out and it wasn't quite as fun. You couldn't be the uh, knowledgeable smart dude because pretty much anybody who had a computer could go look up and find the same information as you could. So uh, since then, I, I still like to play it. I make a couple teams every year, but uh, I'm not quite as uh, dedicated to it all week. I I'm more like on Sunday at uh, 1245, I'll set my team and make my roster changes. Now, I will say this, okay, and this is just me, but there are moments when I do miss like the old fantasy football style, um, because now when you think about fantasy, and I think pretty much anyone out there, when you think about fantasy, you think about this daily fantasy, which kind of really came into into play a few years back. Um, I like it. I enjoy it because it's, you know, sort of gambling. Now, we're in a state that allows gambling, so I could say that, uh, but it's basically a form of gambling. But I, I do miss the old school way, you know, where you kind of got together with 10 friends or 12 friends and you build a league and you guys had your draft. Draft day was a holiday yeah. back when we were playing fantasy. I mean, we had it marked down our calendar. We all planned for it. We even had a couple uh, draft day moments where we all got together in one restaurant, and had like a little draft party. Uh, so I, I do miss that about it, but it was very time consuming and the older I've gotten, I, I, it seems like I just don't have enough time to, to be able to keep up with one of those. Yeah, that was my next question. I was going to ask, had you ever done like a live draft party with all your friends together? We've, we did that a handful of times. It, it was probably always the best because you'd always have a couple uh, schmoes in there who would always take some guy who got taken four rounds uh, previous. And you're like, dude, hey, he's, he's off the board, bro. He's off the board. So, yeah. Uh, Speaking of, what's your sort of favorite style of draft do you do? Are you a snake guy? Are you an auction guy? Did you like the old school sort of salary cap thing back in the day? Uh, you know, I, I always sort of was fond of that, but, uh, you know, that might be my old school nostalgia as I was a 
10-year-old kid, uh, you know, fooling around too. Well, when, when I really got into fantasy, uh, we had just gotten past that, you know, salary uh, kind of phase. And we were into the snake phase and, you know, and auction was starting to really pick up, but I'm a snake guy. I've always, I always thought because like, I, again, we went, you know, I go back to the leagues that we did. We had these, you know, consistent uh, players, you know, playing in the league. We kind of went off last year's rankings to get the number one pick and things, things of that sort. Um, again, this is just another thing I miss about it. With the snake draft, we were able to trade picks, you know, yeah. for certain players. So, you know, not if you if you had a team that was just completely stacked and you had a you know some schmo that was trying to kind of get into the playoffs, you could, you know, dangle uh, you know, a nice running back and be like, Oh, hey, you know, give me next year's first round pick and you can get this guy, he'll get you to the playoffs. So you had all these things that made you feel like what we called a uh, a couch uh, GM back then. So I miss all that about it. Uh, definitely snake is my, my preference, but uh, I, I could see why other people would be fond of the other ones. It takes a lot of strategy. Yeah. Um, snake would be the one I do. Uh, but my favorite, I love the auction draft, but um, anyone who's been in an auction draft with 10, 12, 14 teams, um, that thing takes like half a day to <laughs> go through. And uh while I love the strategy of uh, the auction draft and sort of how you manipulate your money, I, I, I pretty much will do one auction draft, one snake draft, and then maybe a flyer on one or two others. But uh, I'm definitely a, a snake uh, because it goes in about 20 to 30 minutes <laughs> instead of, uh, you know, the six, seven hour uh, type auction drafts. And, you know, a lot of people did think that, uh, the snake draft wasn't as strategical, but it really was, you know, like if you were a guy who had the first pick, you know, you'd have to sit there and wait for everyone to go through a pick and then you come back to it. And there'd be a moment where you had back-to-back picks, you know, and you could kind of build a team um, where, you know, you, you can, you can draft based off your team needs and get yourself, you know, a couple of good guys. The problem with that was that then you'd have to wait so long to your next pick and you were probably missing out on a lot of other good guys. So there was a lot of anxiety between those rounds, uh, but it was definitely a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely so. All right, so let's get into 2021 and some fantasy stuff. Uh, Position-wise, where would you go in your draft uh, early-wise? Are you a running back man uh, this year? Or are you a quarterback guy? Uh, what do you think of your strategy will be this year? Well, you know, we – Ever since I started playing fantasy, uh, one thing I learned very early on was how important running backs are. Um, and as time has progressed, as time has gone on, uh, we've noticed that the running backs have been used less and less. And you see it also play into into real life. Um, running backs don't have the type of uh, value that they once had when it comes to the actual draft itself. Now, in fantasy terms, I think even though it's changed, it's still pretty much the same thing. Running backs, I think, are still king. Uh, wide receivers, especially in PPR, which is what I usually play, um, you, they're pretty much, you know, a dime a dozen. You can, and I'm not saying there's always the elite guys, but you can always find yourself. I remember at one point, I got myself a Wes Welker with the last pick in the draft. And Wes Welker was the guy who was pulling in about 100 catches a, a season, it seemed. So 
in in a PPR league, I think that running back is still king. Uh, and I, for all formats, I believe that running back is still king. And as they get rarer and rarer to see the type of running attacks that we used to see in the NFL, I think that's going to remain to hold true that uh, running back is king, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I'm old school like you. Running back always remains king. Uh, you know, I, I probably have gone running back a majority of my life, both, you know, if I'm spending a lot of money auction-wise or in, uh, you know, just a snake draft. Uh, I usually go running back, definitely so. And I, I think even more so, I, I mean, receiver is used much more now than back in, uh, you know, our younger days in the, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. But I, I think that just makes running backs even more valuable because there's a, probably only, I, I'd say, five or six who you truly know are going to be, you know, three, four down, you know, running backs. So that makes them so, so scarce. And, you know, the receiver pool, you know, now um, is just huge. I You Deep. might not be able to pull, you know, like an elite Tyreek Hill or Stefan Diggs if you don't grab them in the first, second round or bid high up for them. But, I mean, you drop down there, you can just load up with guys who are going to get 80, 90 catches a year, get their 1,000 yards, probably get six to eight touchdowns a season. And I just – I don't think I'd really ever take a wide receiver in the first round. You could probably convince me, uh, quarterback, maybe if you were going with like a, a, an elite, elite type uh, Mahomes who you know you're getting – you know, 40 touchdowns, uh, Breeze back in his day, uh, Breeze no longer, do not draft your Breeze. <laughs> you know, there's going to be some guy out there who's taking him off the board during their draft party. I'm taking Drew Breeze. But, uh, you know, Breeze back in the day who consistently would get 35 to 40 touchdowns, 5,000 yards. But uh, it's just, I think so much so the drop off between, you know, a Dalvin Cook or Christian McCaffrey uh, last year excluded dropping down to even, you know, the second tier of a DeAndre Swift or uh, Darrell Henderson. You, you just don't know what a DeAndre Swift or a Darrell Henderson are going to give you in the year. You know exactly what McCaffrey and uh, Cook injury aside are going to give you, and that uh, just point differential there. So I usually always go running back, definitely. So, yeah, definitely. I and you could make the case. I wouldn't argue with somebody who, like you said, picks up a quarterback in the first round. Uh, a guy, and I'm going back to my fantasy days. A guy like a, a Michael Vick, for example. Yeah. You know, a guy who you know is going to touch the ball. Uh, probably more than your average quarterback. Because um, when it came to fantasy, that was always my number one concern is how many touches could he potentially get throughout an entire game? Now, for a running back, you know that most running backs, especially back in those days, they were averaging at least about 20 rushes per game. So you know they're going to get those 20 touches. Now, if you have a running back who can come out of the backfield and catch passes, you know, it only adds that value. So to me, running back is king. You could definitely sell me on one of those elite quarterbacks. Uh, but as far as wide receivers, as, as you know, tempting as some of those big names might be, I think you could always wait on a wide receiver and you could kind of stack up on a bunch of those guys. Yeah, definitely so. All right. So you ready to get into some uh, position stuff? Uh, let's start out with the quarterback. Uh, we, we talked about first round quarterbacks. Uh, I, I think Mahomes definitely would be one I'd look at in the first round. Um 
what about you? What what guys would you look at in the first round as a quarterback if you were going to go that position? Maybe say you have the sixth, seventh, eighth pick. A couple of those top running backs are off the board. And maybe the thought of quarterback crosses your mind. Yeah, I mean, if, the, if like you said, I'm a mid-round, uh, you know, position uh, for the draft. And these uh, elite running backs are all off the board. I, you know, I wouldn't have an issue with drafting a guy like Aaron Rodgers. You look at what he did last season. Last season, he had a, a tremendous season statistically. Um, he put up ridiculous numbers, and it seemed like it didn't really matter who was in and out uh, of that wide receiver court with injuries and, you know, who the running back was. He was producing no matter what. So a guy like that, I would definitely feel very comfortable, even though he doesn't run the ball as much as he used to. Uh, he seems to be sneaking the ball in less and less, even when they get into the red zone. I still would feel very comfortable with a guy like him, who I know that can get it done with, you know, even a, a makeshift wide receiver core. Yeah, I, I have three guys I'd look at uh, really up top. Rodgers would be one of them, Mahomes and then Allen would be there. Uh, if I was going to go first round, I, I don't know if I'd go with anyone probably but Mahomes in the first round, unless I'm really, really, you, you know, your draft is your draft. Each person's draft is different. So, you know, there's no telling what running backs are there. But uh, I, I think Mahomes might be the only one I'd probably really take in the first round. Then I might drop, I, I'd probably look at Josh Allen. I, I'd just be a little bit concerned of a little bit of aggression, not a ton of regression. I, I think in our preview, we're going to get to it. I think the bills are easily probably the number two team in the AFC, but uh, the numbers he put up last year were ridiculous. I, I look for his carries, you know, rushing attempts to drop down a little bit. I don't know if they'll use him on the goal line quite as much to get those little like one yard touchdowns and those little things sort of affect your, you know, scoring ability throughout the fantasy football season. But Alan Rogers probably be the next crew. I'd look in there. I, I'm curious a little bit. A uh, lot of Kyler Murray love this year. And uh, some people have him really up there. Uh, I, I think both of you had a bit of a, we were both a little mixed bag on uh, Kyler Murray uh, on uh, last year. What are your thoughts on him as a fantasy football quarterback? You know, uh, you can't go against the numbers, you know, as fantasy wise. Now, what you see on the field, just on, you know, when it, in regards to football itself, you know, uh, there's still a lot that I want to see before I'm completely sold on him as a NFL quarterback. Now, talking fantasy, the numbers don't lie. The guy puts up a lot of numbers. Um, you know, he's probably not winning the games, but in fantasy, wins and losses don't matter. The only wins that count are the ones against your opponent. So that doesn't matter. And just statistically speaking, he's putting up big numbers this season. He's coming in, you know, uh, with a, another season under his belt with his star wide receiver. They add another wide receiver to their mix, which should, you know, on paper at, at the least provide him with the ability to, you know, throw the ball deep or, or, you know, get more guys open. And if he put up those type of numbers last season, you know, which were really good, I guess the potential for him to go even higher is there. So uh, I see what the excitement's all about. Again, uh, as a Ram fan who really kind of watches a lot of NFC West games, from a regular football point of view, I I'm not as sold on him. From a fantasy point of view, I, I completely understand why people are. 
Yeah. Um, let's get into some uh, younger guys. I I'm curious on your thoughts on uh, a, a Justin Herbert, uh, Tua Tagovailoa, uh, Joe Burrow, second-year guys. Uh, Burrow coming off the injury. They did get it. I think we'll probably get into wide receiver and Jamar Chase and what we think are coming there. But I I'm curious where you think uh, you, you should probably – go with a Herbert. Uh, a lot of sites have him as the uh, three or four quarterback on the board. I don't know if I'm quite that high on Justin Herbert. Uh, I know his numbers were great. He was great. But uh, we talked about regression with Josh Allen. I, I, I'm a little scared of regression uh, with Justin Herbert a little bit this year. Uh, that being said, he does have a new coach. So uh, uh, without Anthony Lynn, no telling what that offense might be capable of. But uh, I, I look. Oh for come the, on! You you love Anthony Lennon. What are you talking about? I I I'm very curious about Tua. Um, I think I would not use anything early or in the middle. But if I could steal a Tua after I already you know take my actual starting quarterback, I think I'd grab a Tua just to see what that was. Uh, I have no idea what to do with Joe Burrow. Um, he throws a lot. You know he's going to throw a lot, but uh, I, I still worry um, how long that health will last throughout that uh, season on him. I mean, I'll tell you this much, okay? So we, we both were very down on the coaching decisions when it came to Joe Burrow last season. Um, he was being used and abused pretty much game in and game out. But as the season progressed, he did definitely start picking up his play, and his numbers were looking a lot better. Now, he had the very unfortunate incident where he got hurt uh, with that horrific, you know, injury he had, and it put him out for the rest of the season. So what could have been, we don't know. Um, in my opinion, right before that injury, he was probably heading towards rookie of the year for me. Now, we know who the actual rookie of the year was uh, after it was all said and done. With all that being said, I, I always have a little bit of a pause when it comes to drafting these uh, second and third year guys uh, because we tend to see a little bit of a slump, you know, in the NFL, the NFL is, is all the coaching staffs, the strategy, the game plan, everything film session, it progresses very quickly. Uh, and you give yourself an entire off season to prepare for guys, to study guys, to, to look at film and you start to learn certain, you know, certain tendencies that they have. So you see a little bit of regression, um, not to mention the fact that a, Pretty much every NFL team uh, with, you know, a few a few teams that for some reason don't like to uh, improve, but pretty much every NFL team improves every single season. Um, and that's only bad news for guys that are kind of, you know, one track ponies. Um, not saying that Herbert is, and I'm not saying that any of these guys are. They're very talented, obviously. But I do expect a little bit of a regression for all these guys to uh, – uh, Burrow, I, I don't know so much about Burrow because we didn't get to see him for an entire season, but Herbert, who I was really high on last season, I, I think I'm, I'm expecting a little bit of a regression there. Yeah, I, 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 I just would not take Herbert early. I, I think if I could get him in – As a bi-week quarterback. Yeah. That, that's probably where I'd feel comfortable. If I could get him maybe as early as six, seven, eight round after I've got my sort of – base initial team and then I can add him in there I probably would but I, I just I wouldn't put him in the level that I'd put uh, Mahomes and Allen and Aaron Rodgers uh, we'll probably get into uh, Dak Prescott here in a second uh, but uh, 
I, I just don't think that. I, I'd be way too scared on Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, end of, the, end of the draft as your second quarterback, I, I wouldn't worry about it, but I, I just don't think I could go there. But uh, let's get into Dak Prescott. Uh, let's go with Matthew Stafford as well and Jared Goff. Uh, one quarterback coming off a terrible injury and uh, I guess no longer throwing footballs in training camp. Little worrying, but uh, it is training camp. I don't like to make too many uh, worries about that, but um, has to be a little alarming on the Dak Prescott front. Uh, Stafford, um, it's hard to say. I, I think numbers will be there. I heard some podcasts from Sean McVay and where it is, um, he's going to throw the ball an awfully lot. I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, I think there's going to be a lot of passing involved. And um, uh, Jared Goff, uh, that Lions team is atrocious, but uh, no pressure. He can sort of wing it and sling it without much worry. Uh, what are your uh, projections there on those three guys? Okay, well, let's start off with Prescott. Uh, I'm not worried about Prescott. Now, if I was, you know, talking to Fish right now, I would probably, you know, blow it out of proportion and be like, oh, yeah, he's not throwing footballs. And, you know, who comes back from an injury like that? I would overplay it. Now, I'm not talking to Fish. I'm talking to Champ. So I'll be honest. I'm not worried about him. Uh, a veteran guy like him, a savvy guy like him, you know, he's – He's got everything he needs right up here. So I'm not worried about him. I think that as long as he's healthy to start the season, he'll be fine. He's got enough weapons. He's got, you know, the trust of the of the coaching staff. He's got the trust of the ownership there. So I'm not concerned about him. I, I think he'll be fine if he's healthy and ready to go. Matthew Stafford, you know, I was probably one of the few Ram fans out there who wasn't super excited about this move. Um, not that I didn't like it. I like the move. I understand why it had to be made. But I was like, okay, what has Matthew Stafford done other than put up big numbers? How many wins has he put up? Jared Goff led us to the Super Bowl. You know, um, his numbers weren't great, and I understand he, the defense helps that a lot. But as I've watched, you know, practice film and things like that, yes, it is practice. It's just practice, so don't, don't jump on me. I like what I'm seeing from him, and, and it's starting to get me pumped up. And, uh, I mean, I even, you know – Wife went out. She got me some brand new Ram socks and, you know, I'm ready for the season to get started. So uh, I'm excited to see what's going to happen there. I'm a little concerned about that uh, finger injury that's going on, but they seem to think it's not a big deal. So we'll see what happens with the injury at the running back position. I feel like they're going to kind of throw more on his shoulders. I don't know how he's going to handle the pressure of playing in a city like Los Angeles, where the expectations are high. You have a great defense. You have great players in Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. That defense is probably top tier. So if the offense can at least be competent, which is something we didn't really see last season from Jared Goff, um, I, I think they can, they can make some noise. The Lions, I, I think you're right. You know, with the team being as bad as they are, it's probably going to help Jared Goff. I, I think that the lights were a little too bright for him. Um, I think the moment was a little too big for him. And, and, it seems like he had his best moments when the pressure wasn't completely on him uh, back when he had McVay in his ear, basically giving him every single play call to the last minute. That's when he was really performing well. Uh, once that was kind of taken away and it was mostly on his shoulders, he seemed to really get shaky when uh, the big, big moments came up, but in Detroit with as bad as the team has been and 
the history they've had over the last couple decades. I think the pressure's off, and I think he's just going to come out there really relaxed, really poised, and just do what he does, man, which is just stand tall and just kind of throw it down the field. Um, I've seen a few, you know, clips of him in practice. He was a top uh, a top prospect coming out of college, so um, I, I just don't know what to expect of the team as a whole. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I, I will say I'm actually very high on Matthew Stafford this year. I, I I don't know how much the Rams are going to win. Uh, I'm very nervous about their depth. Uh, we already saw it with the Akers going out, you know, that leaves Henderson as a lone back. I, I really like Henderson, but they're really thin, but I do think they're going to throw. I think this offense is going to, you know, put up numbers. So like Matthew Stafford always does, I think the numbers are there and I might bump him up a little more. I, I'm the same way with Jared Goff. I think he, could essentially be Matthew Stafford in Detroit. Uh, lots of meaningless numbers, not much wins. I don't think I'd bump him up necessarily into that uh, sort of middle pack where I put Stafford sort of right underneath the elite elite, maybe uh, right underneath a Russell Wilson type in there, you know. But uh, I, I would not uh, be scared to take a flyer in those late rounds on Jared Goff just to see if I could – maybe just get some free numbers there uh, for a team that uh, just has really going to focus on losing, I think, for most of the year. So free numbers and not much pressure. I tell you one thing. If, if I completely drafted my team and I, and I had a slew of running backs, you know, maybe not top tier running backs, but, you know, one really good running back, uh, a couple of, uh, you know, decent running backs, you know, guys that are going to get a few touches, um, and I had some good receivers and a really good tight end, uh, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to taking a guy like Jared Goff. And then, you know, maybe later on the season, if he starts producing, you can put him together with a couple of those running backs and get yourself someone elite. So there's, that's one thing, by the way, that I did a lot of, I did a lot of trades. I, I prided myself in my ability to make trades. So um, that's where my mind immediately goes to is, uh, what can I bundle this guy with and send him off somewhere else? Yes, the Daryl Murray of uh, fantasy football. <laughs> uh, Dak, meanwhile, uh, I, I don't know if I'm worried, worried about the shoulder injury. It, it does concern me that they sent him over uh, to the Texas Rangers. Uh, <laughs> when you start looking at that, that, that they're the advice for pitchers every time their shoulder hurts usually means go get Tommy John surgery. So that makes me a little nervous. I, I don't think we're getting to those uh, depths yet, but uh, as much as I like this Cowboys team and I, I, I drafted Dak Prescott last year and was reaping the awards until his ankles shattered. It's your fault. <laughs> yes. It was your fault. Until his ankles shattered into a thousand pieces. But I, I just put him on my no draft list just because I want to see how he bounces back from that ankle injury. Yeah, already stuff starting to knick-knack in this uh, preseason. I, I just – where you have to draft him, I, I would just not want to take that risk. I, I just think they're safer bets in, you know, say a Lamar Jackson, in a Matthew Stafford, you know, even like a Matt Ryan who you know you're – you aren't going to love and your team is going to look – weird with Matthew Ryan at top, but guess what? You're getting 35 touchdowns and probably about 4,500 yards passing. So it is what it is. Uh, I, I was curious about uh, anyone else you had on your uh, probably stay away from list. 
I mean, I did, haven't really composed myself a, a stay away list. It was more guys that I thought that could be sleepers. Um, now, it's hard to really call like Matthew Stafford a sleeper because he's in L.A. and he gets a lot of attention, especially after that big trade, you know, with Detroit and the Rams. So I, I don't really have a stay away from list. But I guess if I had to if I had to just off the top of my head, give you a guy that I thought I'd probably stay away from. Um, I would probably have to go with anybody in the Jets organization. <laughs> well, I was going to get to rookies <laughs> later. I, I had a couple guys. Uh, Dak was one of them. Uh, I'm on a definite stay away from Ben Roethlisberger uh, based on last year. I, I, I think everybody Listen, probably I, I heard... already knows that, but uh, you know, you see his name and you might think some sort of past glory is going, but uh, uh, I, mean, I heard he showed up the training camp and he was slim and ripped, man. Slim and well, ripped. Yes. That's fine until game four after he gets hit for the <laughs> 55th time and his body no longer functions. And then a couple other guys I was looking at. Uh, I, I The word is Carson Wentz is coming back week one now, um, but uh, I, I'm not touching Carson Wentz. That's just uh, – that's uh, – that's the ambulance uh, signal Listen. right next to you the whole year long and you reading stuff all year long about we, how he's nicked and dinged. We, we talked about this a little bit during the off season. Uh, I feel that if Carson Wentz can bring back to his, you know, Philly days, his, his glory days, as we call it, you know, granted, he's not the reason why they won the Super Bowl, but he's the reason why they got to the Super Bowl. And I feel like if he can get back to that, type of level or at least close to it they're going to be a dangerous team again a lot of it's going to depend on his his play though that's that's the only concern yeah i had one more guy i'd probably stay away from and that's uh jimmy g uh i just don't know how that uh situation in san francisco is going to break down i i, I think uh shanahan's probably a little antsy to get Trey Lance in there, probably thinking he's a bit of a genius and can throw whatever quarterback back there. So I just don't know how long that leash is going to be on uh, Jimmy G. So I, I just wouldn't touch him. Uh, also, he always has the little ambulance symbol uh, next yeah. to him as well. I think there's been one season that he's managed to complete out of his whole career. So yeah. those were a couple guys I was sort of definitely on the uh, stay away from. A uh, couple rookie guys I wanted to get into, and then uh, one, he played a couple games towards the end of the year, but he's a little bit of a rookie as well. Uh, Jalen Hurts, Trevor Lawrence, Wilson, Fields, Lance, um, Mac Jones. Do you have any of those guys you'd take a chance on or you're staying away from rookies here? Okay, now, I, I... – Listen, and this is not to say that no rookie has ever had success. No rookie quarterback has ever had success in fantasy. It, it's happened before. Um, I just don't think that when you're committing yourself for a long-term season. Now, if we're talking about weekly fantasy, yes, if the matchup is right and they've been producing for a couple of weeks, maybe you take a fire on one of these guys. Now, for a season-long fantasy football, which is what I think we're talking about here, yeah, I'm personally staying away from all these rookie quarterbacks. And it's not to say that you're not going to have a Justin Herbert there who's going to put up ridiculous numbers for a rookie quarterback. When I look at these rookie quarterbacks and what they have around them, none of them really stand out enough to make me take a flyer on any of them. So I'm staying away from rookie quarterbacks, but 
I'm not I'm not completely uh, convinced that there won't be one or two breakout stars. Yeah, the only one that uh, mildly intrigues me is Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I think his skill level is, you know, way way up there. I just I, I don't know where he's going. Uh, you know, compared to what it, he's I, I take him as. I just probably wouldn't do it, but uh, if he fell to the late, late rounds and I could just grab him as a flyer, I might take a run at Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I will admit, uh, Jalen Hurts intrigues me uh, just based on the rush. I, I liked him last season, and you kept criticizing me about it. Now you're on the bandwagon. Well, I like running quarterbacks. Uh, whether he could throw, I don't know, uh, but – you know, I like those runners because that's just free yardage. I And I, I think they'll use him in goal line situations, which is important. Uh, you know, real compact, strong guy. I, I look for him to really uh, maybe get a handful of touchdowns. So I, I'd be a little uh, intrigued by Jalen Hurts if he was hovering around. Uh, none of the rest uh, really uh, light my fire. Uh, Jones, Lance, or uh, Fields. Um, so that's about where I sit on the quarterbacks. You ready to move to your position of love, the running back position? Before we do, I just want to say uh, really quick, while you were talking about Trevor Lawrence, it kind of uh, intrigued me a little bit. So I looked up his average draft stop, uh, draft pick spot, whatever. Um, yeah. He's QB 14. Yeah. That's, you know, I'm pretty sure there's at least 20, maybe 22 guys I'd rather have than Lawrence. This is no, no, you know, dirt on him or his skill. Like you said, he's a very talented quarterback. He's got the skill set. He can, he's got the arm to throw just about any type of ball. So this is nothing against him or his potential. It's just we haven't seen it in the pros yet. Yeah, that's... you know, there's at least 22 other quarterbacks that we've seen something from. Like I would probably feel a little more comfortable taking a guy even though i wouldn't take him a, a guy like herbert i yeah. I, I don't know I, I maybe i'm just maybe I, it's been that long since i've played i don't know no that that's what i was saying where he's being drafted it just i don't think there's value there because you're in the unknown and certainly uh the first four to six weeks of the season I, i'm not looking for him to you know start launching five touchdowns you know if you had herbert he wasn't even starting the first week of the season. He didn't even really get going until week six, seven, and eight. So I, I would not take him uh, unless he was way, way towards the end. Now his auction price is uh, uh, a little cheaper uh, than his, you know, draft position price. So, you know, one, two, three dollars in an auction. I, I'd probably be a little more willing than than I would, you oh, yeah. know, to draft him that high in a uh, snake draft. Yeah, in a situation like that, it, it definitely makes a lot more sense. All right. On to the running back. So I, I see about I, – I go six guys for sure I, I'd be willing to take a chance on in the first round, and I might might even increase that to about eight. I'm curious what guys you're seeing that you put on the elite, elite level in the running back position. Elite, elite? Yes. Really, there's only two, maybe three guys that I've got up there. Um, and even then, I'm a little iffy about it. Um, I don't know if you want me to get into my list or... 
Do you want well, to kick I, it off? Or? I was going to go with Cook, McCaffrey, Henry, uh, for sure. I, I think you put Kamara in there too. So that's four. I, I definitely think so. Um, they just signed – the Packers just signed Aaron Jones to a very, very large deal. So I, I'm assuming they will run him into the ground a little bit, especially early on as, you know, uh, Rodgers works his way into the season. Uh, the ones I, I – I'm Ezekiel Elliott and Austin Eckler. I'm curious your thoughts probably on those two because I think we could probably both agree, Cook, McCaffrey, Henry Kamara. If those guys are there, you probably take them. Yes, if they're there, you take them. Now, this is where I throw my curveball at you. Uh, uh, it's not Darrell my... Henderson, is it? Oh, no, no. Although, <laughs> although I will say this while we're on that subject. I think Henderson is actually slightly better than Akers, and I don't think people give him enough credit. So Yeah, I agree. About the I, I like Henderson a lot. But uh, as far as the running back, this is where the – I don't want to call it a curveball. We're talking football here. Uh, curve pigskin – <laughs> that makes any sense. Anyways, the no uh, look Mahomes. <laughs> there you go. That 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 sounds good. But here's my no look Mahomes. I'm not sold on McCaffrey. Okay. Oh. I, I I know I'm gonna get hate. I know I'm I'm ready. I can hear it. Let you know. Bring it on. I can hear it. Here's my here's my reasoning behind it. We saw the emergence of another running back last season during the absence of McCaffrey, and I think. With that, the fact that the coaching staff knows that, listen, our offensive line is probably a big reason. Our schemes, our blocking, our gaps, all the all these things play into the into the success of the running back. Now, I'm not saying McCaffrey isn't a great running back because he is. We, you know, you can definitely feel when he's not in the game. But I I think that they probably pull back a little bit on his touches. And not so much because he can't handle it, but to preserve him for the long run. Uh, because I think that right now, he's one of the faces of that franchise. And it probably serves them better to kind of keep him healthy as long as possible. It would be a disaster, and I'm sure you agree with this. It would be a disaster for the entire organization if he were to go down again for an entire season. Yeah, so I, so. I have a feeling that they're probably going to limit his touches especially early on. Um, maybe as progresses, you can find a way to, you know, maybe get him on cheap uh, as you get closer to the playoffs in the trade, you know, for, you know, who knows what, but you could probably get him in a trade later on and maybe his, his, uh, his stats will pick up as the season progresses, but I'm not completely sold on him. Uh, for my book, I'm a little bit more excited about uh, Saquon coming back. One, because I still remember how explosive he was uh, before his injury. And I saw a lot of improvement from the, from the Giants uh, offensively last season. Uh, I think as the season progressed, we saw them put up some really tough games against tough teams with some really good defenses, like uh, that Bucks game that comes to mind. You know, the, the Super Bowl champions, the eventual Super Bowl champs. They, they went at it, man, and that was a dogfight. So with the improvement of that offense, adding a guy like Saquon I think is only going to – increase the uh, offensive production for that team. So uh, I'm, ex I'm excited about getting him back. Um, Derek Henry. I mean, gee, I don't really need to say anything about him, the King, you know, he put up what a ridiculous amount of yards. Uh, he's getting another weapon uh, at the wide receiver position. That's only going to open up, you know, a bigger hole for him uh, because now you have to account for that big body on the outside. So 
those are the guys that I'm excited about. Uh, McCaffrey, I like him. He's great. I'm just not as high on him as most people are. Yeah. Uh, I think if you're in a not PPR, uh, that's all right. Um, I, I probably would lower him down a little bit, but I, I think they probably will uh, more reduce his load, you know, more on the carry in than the catch in. So I think if you're in a PPR league, you're probably safe. Cause that's probably 80 catches there just on dump passes and uh, you know, just little swing and uh, quick routes. So, uh, you know, other than the injury problems last year, you know, the previous years, he, he was lights out. Uh, Cook and Henry, I, I really have up there. Same with Kamara. Uh, a, a let, couple me, guys, let me ask you this real quick. Sorry to cut you off. But yeah. Let me ask you this. If you're in a PPR league and you've got two guys sitting there and it's your pick, you've got Kamara and you've got McCaffrey. Who are you taking? <sighs> Who's the quarterback for the Saints? It's hard to put you on the spot. Uh, I'm assuming it's Winston. That's that's what I'm assuming. See, I with the eye surgery. Remember, he got LASIK. LASIK. <laughs> uh, I probably still go McCaffrey. Uh, you probably go Camara, don't you? Yeah, I would definitely go Camara. Um, for a couple reasons. One, I think he's. Uh, well, we've seen him, you know, more recently, so uh, I know what I'm getting from him. Uh, as far as last season goes um, to the loss of Drew Brees. Um, I, I think it's really going to make Peyton kind of open up the playbook and, you know, kind of get really creative with a lot of his play calling. Uh, and I think Kamara is very versatile. So you can use him for just about anything. Not saying that McCaffrey isn't, but Kamara, I, I think most people would agree. He's just a different type of running back. Um, so I'm probably going to flip flop here on you. <laughs> I That's might it. go Camara, but I, I I need the Michael Thomas situation to play out a little more. Uh he, he's clearly going to miss the first couple weeks, but uh there's been some uh let's say mercurial uh cryptic tweets coming out of him. So that situation yeah, could I've seen some of those could get weird. And you start to take Michael Thomas off the Saints. Then you're switching out Drew Brees. Basically, you're looking at a Christian McAfee situation with Alvin Kamara. And uh, you haven't really had the same health problems, uh, you know. So maybe I would go Kamara, you know, two weeks down the line if the Thomas situation keeps uh, getting weirder and weirder. So I... I will say this. I, I don't think you could probably go wrong with either. So Yeah, that, that you have a point there. Uh, but, I mean, come on, man. I know that, you know, there's a California sign here in my background, you know, because uh, California is in my heart. That's where I'm from. But come on, man. We're in Tennessee. You know, you got your UT boy. Come on. You got to take Camaro. Yeah, he originally went to Alabama and then transferred to Tennessee. I don't, I don't want to hear that. And I'm sure <laughs> nobody here in Tennessee wants to hear that either, so. Uh, all right. Uh, a couple guys I'm intrigued with, uh, ones who I think could jump in to that list. Uh, the first one that I'm going to talk to you about, uh, Jonathan Taylor, uh, especially if Wentz is hot and cold. Uh, towards that end of the year, uh, Taylor really started to chew up ground. They really started to milk him heavy. Uh, that offensive line I really like, and I think 
just with the indecision, you aren't going to know with Wentz. And uh, if they decide not to get a backup quarterback, and we are having the Jacob Eason experience or whatever other terrible backup quarterback is past Eason, um, I, I think there's going to be a lot of Jonathan Taylor and a lot of leaning on that defense to really shorten games. So I, I – I would put really Jonathan Taylor, my personal self, probably ahead of a Joe Mixon and an Austin Eckler. I put him right around in that uh, Aaron Jones category. I'm curious on your thoughts on uh, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, You know, I agree with you for the most part. I think that, you know, because of the type of play that they had, uh, they had some success last season. And a lot of it wasn't because of the quarterback, Uh, you know, even in some instances, even because, even with the quarterback, making a lot of mistakes it was the running back position it was their play that really kept them in games it was that defense you know really solid defense and a really solid running game it felt like a lot of old school nfl type play uh that kept them in a lot of these you know game matches that they were in um now obviously this is a new quarterback uh with a different style but i i mean i don't see how it changes much in, as far as the running backs go so i, I expect at least what we saw last season, if not better, you know, with another year under their belt. Um, let me ask you this. I don't, I, I have this guy ahead. Would you put him ahead of a Nick Chubb? Well, he was the next one I was going to bring up. I, I think we both love Nick Chubb. I, I think we'd probably put him in that uh, rushing wise in that, uh, you know, cook, uh, Henry category, just a pounder and a great running back. Yeah, very old school. The problem I have with that is, you know, they still have the Kareem Hutt there. And so you basically take away all catches out of the whole equation with Nick Chubb. And then, you know, if for whatever reason they don't feel like Nick Chubb's running well, you go to Kareem Hunt and you just got that little offset a little bit. But I, I probably rate Jonathan Taylor a little higher, but I, I really like Nick Chubb, and I, I'd definitely be aggressive towards grabbing a Nick Chubb. I, I'm curious if you think maybe uh, Kareem Hyde will be faded out uh, a little bit more uh, this season. I think they, they will slowly start to kind of edge him out of the picture. I think that they really believe that Nick Chubb is their guy. Um, I think that they believe that he can do – just about anything they want him to do, whether it be catching from, you know, from the backfield or, uh, or running the ball, just pounding it down the middle. I, I think he can do just about everything. He's a really, really, really good running back. To me, this situation kind of reminds me a little bit of the Aaron Hernandez and Gronkowski situation that we had in New England uh, several years back. And I remember telling my brother, because my brother used to play in one of my leagues and he was concerned about drafting one of these two guys And I remember telling him, listen, go back and look at the numbers, okay? Numbers don't lie. And both of these guys were producing, you know, regardless of how great the other one was, the other guy was still producing. And it's a similar type of situation here, although, you know, different position and different circumstances, both of the guys were still producing. Maybe not to the same level, but both of them were producing. So I wouldn't be too concerned about uh, um, a guy like Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt taken from Nick Chubb's plate. So um, I'm not really worried about it, but I do think that they'll start kind of phasing Hunt a little bit out. Yeah. All right. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on, on another guy, uh, DeAndre Swift. 
uh, really, really been uh, going really high and pretty pricey in auctions. I am not a huge fan of DeAndre Swift. I, I didn't love him in college. You know, I, I just don't totally see it. I, I don't get it. I, I'm curious where you put DeAndre Swift and where you think his value lies in, in drafting. Do you think he's, you know, a, in some, you know, overall he's been going tail in first, uh, early second round. And I just, I don't think I'd make that reach. Certainly not for a Detroit Lions team that is going to be behind the majority of the time as well. I think a lot of it is it plays into the fact that who are the big weapons for the Lions when it comes to wide receivers? You know, they're going to, Jared Goff is going to more than likely have to play from behind a lot. Of course, I'm saying this and he'll probably lead them to the Super Bowl now, but. If the no, Lions it, it, end it up in happen. the Super Bowl, uh, you should probably put money on it right now because you could be a very rich man and you will no longer have to do your uh, uh, day job. That <laughs> It probably won't happen, and I'm sorry, Lions fans, mm-hmm. but it probably won't happen. But, uh, you know, like you said, they're, they're probably going to be coming from behind in a lot of these games. And Jared Goff is not really known for being the type of quarterback who – dumps off to his running backs a lot. Uh, if anything, we see him trying to force passes to wide receivers when he really shouldn't. Uh, there were several instances last season where we saw him throw into triple coverage. So, you know, I understand why he's going where he's going because running backs are scarce. And he is considered, and, and you know, for people who are not watching and listening, I'm using air quotes, he's considered a top prospect running back. So, Obviously, a lot of that still remains to be seen, especially with Jared Goff in her helm. Uh, I understand where he's going, why he's going where he's going. I personally wouldn't feel comfortable with it. Uh, and I would advise people not to feel comfortable taking him either. Yeah. Now, uh, now where I, he's going. I, I'd much rather, who's a little lower, I'd much rather have a J.K. Dobbins or a Antonio Gibson. I, I think both those guys proved uh, last year that they were pretty solid guys. Baltimore sort of cleared the way for Dobbins to take over fully. Uh, Gibson, you know, it, it's a little more hot and cold. You never know what's coming out of that Washington football team, but I really liked him towards the tail end of the year. See, and, and I'm think, yeah. sorry. Uh, and I'm, I'm actually flip flop from what you think. I, I actually like Gibson a little bit better. Yeah. I think the situation in Baltimore, um, can be a little confusing at times, especially with, is the running back going to run the ball or is a wide receiver going to, or is a quarterback going to run the ball? Uh, I think that, until I see some sort of continuity there, I don't feel comfortable with a Baltimore running back, but that's just me. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, uh, you, you'd be a stretch and you might get laughed at a little bit, but I think I put Darrell Henderson ahead of him. Now, you know, that being said, I, I'm a very big Darrell Henderson fan. I loved him at college. I, I just thought he was awesome at Memphis. I, I was actually really, really excited when he got drafted by the Rams. I, I think I told him about him two or three years ago to you. I was like, this guy, he runs that style that McVay likes. Now, you know, he's slowly been worked in. I, I thought he was really good last year when he was healthy, and they decided to run the ball. I thought at times they sort of – 
you know, decided to toss little passes to Cam Akers a little too much. And I thought they could pound Henderson a little more than they did. But uh, with Akers out this year, I, I really think Henderson uh, can get a big role. Uh, I mean, it, it would be very scary to take him, you know, up there in the, you know, swift, you know, Chubb Jacobs territory. But uh, I'm competent enough in his skill level that I wouldn't be afraid to do it. And I have probably swift lower than uh, uh, Darrell Henderson. So that's just my thinking. I definitely do. But again, I didn't want to mention it because as a Ram fan, I think everybody kind of expects that anyway. So, but me trying to be non-biased, I, I think that uh, Cam Akers' success last season, um, if you really looked at the games, he was really good in a, in a couple of games, and then he was okay in other games. And But I think the moments that he had were so explosive that it drew everybody to want to get him the ball a little bit more. But if you really looked at at entirety of last season, I think that Henderson was the most consistent back. Um, I think that he's the ideal type of running back that for Sean McVay's system. I think that having a guy like Matthew Stafford out there um, is probably going to help him because players know, defenses know, coaches know, Matthew Stafford can sling the ball. Say what you want to say about him winning and losing games. He can sling the ball, and that's going to make defenses respect the passing game a little bit more. And not to mention the fact that, in my opinion – you probably have, you know, a, a really solid core of wide receivers with the Rams. Um, maybe not a big name, you know, like your uh, Julio Joneses and things like that, or your, your Hopkins. But as a whole, I think that that wide receiver unit is really strong and it's only going to open up more lanes for him. So I think he's going to have a sneaky, quiet, good season. Yeah, definitely. So up uh, couple guys, I, I'm curious what your thoughts are on, um, David Montgomery really, really came on with the Chicago Bears last year after they proceeded to ignore him for, I think, the first eight to ten weeks of the season. And we were, uh, I think, both a little confused by that strategy. I don't know if that situation is much better. Uh, I don't know if you checked out their depth chart, but uh, currently they don't really have a left tackle on the team. Um, <laughs> sort of an important position. Not going to judge. Um, but anyway, do you think uh, David Montgomery can repeat uh, that sort of tail end of what he did last year? Or are you sort of uh, uh, sort of looking at it with a little bit of a stay away? And if he falls to you late, you grab him, but you wouldn't move him up your uh, draft board any. Now, if I was picking for myself, I'd feel comfortable picking him up, okay? If I was giving somebody advice, I'd be a little cautious. Uh, simply because, like you said, that offensive line, uh, we don't know what we're going to get. We don't know what it's going to look like. Um, even if they were to shift some guys around, you're going to have guys that played in a different position last season, you know, played a completely different scheme. The blocking techniques are different. Um, not just that, the guy across from you, the guy you face up against is different. You know, you're used to getting, uh, for example, a, a nose tackle coming and now you're getting, you know, a linebacker or a defensive end or a corner coming from, you know, from the edge. It's very different. So it's, it makes me a little weary, but I, I think he can, if they can get that offensive line under control, I think that he can produce what he did last season, maybe match it, maybe even do a little bit better uh, because he wasn't in the best of positions last season. Like you said, there was so many games when they, when I felt, and, and you've said it before, like they should have fed him the ball a little bit more. Um, 
like he could have really had an impact in the game and it seems like they really went away from it when they shouldn't have so maybe with you know uh, this new era of bears uh football uh, it changes things up a little bit but again for myself i wouldn't be concerned for advice i'd say be a little cautious New era of Bears football. <laughs> <laughs> the monsters of the midway. Oh, all right. We're going to go a little bit the other way uh, with somebody who I think disappointed both of us. Uh, Devin Singletary, uh, falling pretty far down those depth charts. Uh, uh, Zach Moss should be back. So I'm assuming they're splitting carries, but I, I didn't see a ton from Zach Moss, uh, even though I, I really liked him out of Utah last year. Um Let's just go over all that Buffalo situation. Would you take a chance on either of these guys? I, I mean, that offense, I'm assuming, is going to be lights out. But I was so disappointed in Singletary last year, and I just didn't see enough from Moss that unless they really, really fail late and I'm just, you know, filling out my bench on the uh, tail end of a draft or, you know, throwing up a, a dollar or two bid at the end. Uh, I, I'm a stay away on these guys. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Definitely. I, I'm staying away from them. Um, I think all of last season, we were both kind of expecting them to eventually have a breakout game uh, that would set the pace for them going forward. You know, especially on a team like the Bills uh, with such a potent offense, you know, it's such a great leader in Josh Allen. You expected to see some sort of, you know, of life, coming out of that running back out of that backfield. And, and it seemed like they were on life support, if anything. Um, you know, I don't know if, if a lot of it had to do with the coaching staff being like supremely enamored with Josh Allen's ability to run the ball that they felt we don't have to go to the running backs. But even when they got their shots, it felt like they were just flat footed. It just it didn't feel I, I didn't see the explosiveness that I expected from him. Um, I was really disappointed. I, I was hopeful that he would turn it around at some point during the season and just never came into fruition. I think that their season and postseason probably could have been a little bit different had that running game improved a little bit, but um, I'm staying away. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to give you two rookies, um, Travis ATN and uh, for sure, Najee Harris. Um, you know, people fall in this trap uh, of drafting some rookies really high. I, I remember people were taking like Fournette in the uh, first round. Harris hasn't climbed quite up that high, I, but I, I do think Najee will be productive for this Pittsburgh team. Uh, hopefully they try to run the ball a little more. Uh, but I, I'm just curious if you think Najee or uh, Travis ATN can really make an impact this year. And where do you sort of value those two guys? Listen, as far as Najee's concerned, uh, you know, maybe I was really high on Pittsburgh last season, and this is a team as a whole. Uh, I thought that Big Ben would probably help out the running situation there. And it seemed like it started to in the beginning, but teams really caught on really quickly. And who knows, maybe he took one too many hits uh, early on, and it just kind of really steadily degraded as the season progressed. I think Najee can help, but I think that I'm probably staying away from that situation just because I don't know what I'm getting from the Pittsburgh offense as a whole. And that's a little scary. Uh, I think that if we had an old Ben Roethlisberger, you know, uh, from his, from his younger days, I, I'd feel a lot more comfortable um, because he would open up a lot of lanes for the running back. But 
the fact that people have caught on to Roethlisberger and he's getting older and he's getting a little bit slower, not, not that he's still not talented, he's still talented and he's still got that brain, which is probably the most important, you know, uh, part of, of a quarterback's uh, body. I, I just, I feel like it's too much, too risky. Uh, now I wouldn't be opposed to taking him in a, you know, later rounds as maybe your running back three or your backup running back uh, for a bye week, but I definitely wouldn't take him as uh, one of my starters. Yeah, uh, I think there's uh, a really solid value in ATN in PPRs for sure. I, I think he'll get some pass catches. Uh, I mean, the thing I know people were probably not paying a ton of attention, but James Robinson, who's still there and still technically their starting running back, had a really good year last year. It was really, really solid. Uh, for most of the year. I, I'm sure, you know, he won't get quite as many chances with ATN there. But uh, back end, I, I, I might take a flyer on ATN getting, you know, 40, 50 catches on the year. Uh, fill in if you got injuries or, you know, uh, you're on a bad bye week and you need some guys in there. Uh, I, I don't quite know where to rate Najee Harris. I don't know if I'd be bullish on grabbing him in the first or second round. But, you know, third, fourth, fifth, if you're running back light, I, I think you might have to grab him because I, I, I think the touches will be there, and you touched on it earlier. Uh, basically, you want guys who are going to get the ball, and I assume he's going to get the ball. So I, I'd go there. Um, curious, do you have any other uh, bust or uh, sleepers you uh, like this year in the running back side of things? No, my sleeper was like I like I mentioned earlier was Henderson. I think that um, he's probably in line to have a pretty decent season uh, as long as he can stay healthy and as long as Matthew Stafford is what he's being advertised as. So um, that was my sleeper for this season was Henderson. Yeah, I, I got two guys I'm looking at. Uh, Miles Gaskin had a pretty productive year uh, when he was playing for the Miami Dolphins. I, I think that offense will be uh, really improved uh, a little bit and. Uh, then I'm curious about Miles Sanders. Uh, when he plays, he's really, really good. Um, the question is always uh, when he plays. So uh, if Miles hovers in there, I, I, I feel like they're going to run the ball a lot. So I, I take a little chance on uh, Miles there. So that would probably be two. And uh, then the uh, Ohio State rookie that's on San Francisco, Trey Sermon. Um, if anybody has watched Raheem Mosert play, uh, while he's a very talented back, uh, he, he plays in two-game stretches, uh, healthy for two games, out for four games. So if not anybody to mention is... the, Not to mention the facts. I keep cutting you off. I apologize. No, you're but fine. Not, not to mention the fact. It's just I had to bring this up because my brother would kill me if I didn't. Uh, he's a big Niner fan. But it seemed like the Niners pretty much had a plug-and-play system pretty much all of last season when it came to the running back position, uh, whether it was more or anyone else, they were, they were producing. So I, I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, that, that would be the other thing. Uh, the Niners do seem to have a pretty much plug and play. So uh, someone who was as talented as Sermon, little inconsistent, I, I think could definitely come in there and maybe shock you. I, I don't know if you quite have to draft him. I, I'm sure people are getting him as a handcuff to Mozart. So I'd be on the lookout at that. I, I definitely wouldn't take him until my back end of the draft. I, I hate 
drafting backup running backs early just so you have the quote-unquote handcuff, especially when they're like productive guys sitting the waiver wire. But I would take a, a decent look at uh, Trey Sermon in there. Uh, that San Francisco 49ers, I, I think they could put you uh, back there and you could probably get about 600 yards. So, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if they're listening, give me a call. I'll do it. I don't know if you could break the thousand mark, but I, I think you could get 600. Listen, uh, I, may, I may have a little bit of gas left in these old wheels here. Uh, I, I think I could pull out maybe 600. I, I feel you'd be on that questionable injury list uh, pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one game in, that's it. I'm retiring. All right, let's move on to the wide receivers. Uh, really, really deep uh, position here. Um, interesting. Uh, probably Diggs, Hill, uh, Adams, Hopkins, your mainstays up there. I I'm curious if you take any of these guys in the first round. I, I think I'm a no-go for pretty much everyone as a first-round draft pick, but uh, people are going to do it, so I'm curious where you stand. I mean, there's really a couple of guys that I wouldn't blame people for taking them in the first round. Now, again, this goes to if we're playing on a 12-team league or a 14-team league, I wouldn't blame them if they drafted a wide receiver in the first round. A guy like Devontae Adams uh, or uh, Tyreek Hill, um, guys that you know are going to produce pretty much all season long. Basically, you can put them in your starting lineup and not worry about it until they're on a bye week those type of guys I, I wouldn't be so opposed to drafting them in the first round but any wide receiver other than that uh well there's a couple other a handful of other guys but for the most part even those guys if i could get away with not drafting them in the first round i'm not drafting them in the first round the wide receiver pool is deep and i'm talking about deep there's guys that you don't even know of guys you haven't even heard of that are probably going to get you 10 points a week you know, um, my rule for fantasy always was if a guy can give me double digits, I'm good. I, yeah. That's what I that's what I hope for. If he can give me double digits, I'm fine because I know that my main guys, my, my core group of starters are going to give me the bulk of my points. So that was always my golden rule was any any player that can give me double digit points, I'm good with. And I feel like the wide receiver pool, there's plenty of guys that can get you double digit points. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I mean, you could theoretically wait till fourth fifth round and you know grab a Kenny Galladay grab an Adam Thielen you know like back to back and you got Galladay and Thielen as your two receivers there and I, I don't think anybody would hate against that I, I mean if you really really want guaranteed production you might go after a hill or a uh, I don't even know if I'd put digs guaranteed production i mean he's been a really good receiver and he looked great in buffalo but i, I don't think consistently I, i'd be willing to launch that first round pick out there over a, a, an elite running back or you know a guaranteed you know 40 touchdown passes from a patrick mahomes but uh th this field is really 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 deep um couple guys I, i'm curious about where you see maybe uh, i I'd go a little overvalued. I don't know if you can argue with Diggs, Hill, Ridley, Adams. Those are probably the top four guys. I think those are pretty much stable. You know what you're getting. But uh, DeAndre Hopkins, I I'm a little curious about. I, I thought there was a little bit of uh, droppage last year in uh, maybe his elite, elite skill level. Now, some of that might have been 
you know, going to the Arizona team, you know, maybe Kyler Murray isn't quite the type of thrower that uh, can get him there. But I, I saw a little bit of a drop last year. I, I'm curious if you'd still put Hopkins up there with those, you know, really top rung guys. You know, I would. Okay. And my reason behind it is it's another year of continuity with between those two guys. Um, it's another year of them knowing what to expect from each other. Um, and we saw it a lot in uh, that one game um, where who was it against Buffalo with the, uh, the Hale Mur um, Murray, as they call it, you know, you could see that there's trust there. Uh, now, a lot of times trust takes a long time to develop, especially between a wide receiver and a quarterback. Um, but I, I think that they're getting there. And I, even though there was a bit of a drop off last season, um, at least to the eyeball test, uh, Stats-wise, I think he still had a pretty good season, but to the eyeball test, there's a there was a little bit of, of digression there. Uh, I expect them to improve a little bit more this season. Again, like I mentioned earlier, they brought in a couple other weapons uh, that might help out. Um, you know, maybe limit his double coverages and things like that. So um, I do expect him to be slightly better this season and, and be a little bit more of an upswing. But even then. Uh, the Cardinals offense, it, it makes me a little nervous. Yeah, I, I, I'm a little nervous. I, I might separate him a little bit and put him more in the uh, sort of Keenan Allen, A.J. Brown type uh, category where there there might be some weeks where you, you get some duds. Now, pretty much consistently you'll get good weeks, but uh, there might be a couple where you're like, why do I have two points from my uh, lead ride receiver? Uh, another one where because I, Aaron I, Donald got 10 sacks. Yeah. Another one. Uh, this probably won't make dynamite too happy, but I am curious where you have him. Julio Jones makes his move to Tennessee. I, I, I've seen a lot of sort of drop there. I, I don't think he's going to be quite the explosive threat that uh, Tennessee thinks they're getting. I think in this sort of deep wide receiver category, I put him as a middle of the pack sort of type wide receiver. I'm curious if you still have him up in that upper uh, tier category. Okay. So I don't have him as an elite wide receiver anymore. And it's not because of production, because I feel like whenever he's on the field, he's producing. The reason I don't have him up there is because of injury concerns. It, it seems like over the last couple of seasons, the injury concerns have been more consistent than his time on the field has been. So um, that's really my biggest concern with him is can he stay healthy an entire season? If he can stay healthy for an entire season, you know, being on a team like the Titans where you have uh, a, an elite quarterback based off last number of seasons, last, last uh, season's numbers, sorry, and the previous season, you could definitely make the argument that he's an elite quarterback. You definitely have an elite running back there. You know, it's something that even though he's had a really good quarterback with Matt Ryan, the running game has been kind of wishy-washy in Atlanta. So um, having a guy like Derrick Henry is definitely going to help him out. Now, can he stay healthy long enough for it to turn into actual production? That's the question mark that I have. And that's the only reason that I'm a little concerned a little cautious about uh, picking up a guy like Julio Jones, but I think the talent's still there. I think he's still got enough in that tank uh, to really make an impact. Uh, again, it depends on how healthy he can stay. Yeah. I, it just, it concerns me because it, it's been about two years now where we're, 
he's on the field for a play. He's off the field for a play because his hamstring's acting up. We, we see it getting rolled out every, you know, five snaps. And I, I'm just like, you know, what? maybe that's hamstrings healed, but I, it's been bugging him for two years. And I, I just worry that it's starting to really, really uh, hurt him. Uh, we, we talked a little bit about Dak. Uh, I'll go to the two, really three Cowboys receivers, but we'll go to the two, CeeDee Lamb and uh, Amari Cooper. I, I think fully healthy, you saw it last year, that's just a lights-out offense. Are, are you dropping them any, uh, thinking there'll be a little bit of a, a window here where Dak sort of got has to get his sea legs back and maybe – Maybe they try not to play quite as, you know, open up to protect the defense a little more. Maybe it's not quite as offensively uh, as powerful as it was, you know, towards the tail end of two years ago into last year before Dak got hurt. Well, it's interesting, you know, um, football is one of those team sports where the absence of one guy really impacts a lot of different positions. Um, When we saw Prescott go down last season, we saw a huge drop-off at the running back position. Uh, it seemed like Elliott just wasn't producing. He wasn't finding those holes. And even when he was finding those holes, it just seemed like he wasn't motivated to really hit those in full stride like, like we're so accustomed to seeing from him. Um, but a guy like CeeDee Lamb, for example, he, I feel like his production didn't suffer as much from the lack of Prescott there. Um, and I think because he's very versatile, you can put him in the slot, you can move him to the outside. Um, he can be your quick, your quick route guy, you know, the guy who you, you dump it off to in case you're in a hurry, uh, which we saw a lot of last season with the Cowboys. Um, I think that it's going to be a little bit, uh, probably a couple games for everybody to kind of get back into the flow of things. But I think that once they get going, we know how dangerous that offense can be when, when they're, when that engine is humming, we know how potent they can be. So I'm not too concerned for the long run. If it was a daily fantasy type of thing, uh, I'm probably staying away from Cowboys offense players for the first couple of weeks. But if it's for a season, if you can pick up one of these guys for cheap in the later rounds, uh, I think you'd be doing yourself a, a good a good um, investment to grab one of these guys and kind of stash it for later on. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to go to New England. Uh where we haven't seen a lot of passing or a lot of good wide receivers for the uh, next, uh, the last few years. Uh, they, brought in some, they, <laughs> they brought in some guys. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, probably the most known of uh, that group. So I, I'm just curious, uh, what do you see there out of New England? Uh, Nelson was really, really uh, good for the uh, – Raiders uh, last year, they bring him in. Jacoby Myers still there. Um, Nikhil Harry sort of still there. Uh, any production from these New England receivers or you still in stay away due to the fact that the quarterback might not be able to throw a football forward? <laughs> I need a second to, to process that, okay? Okay, okay, I'm good to go. Now, let me look around. Okay, my wife's not here. Stay away from any Patriot, okay? She's going to hate hearing this, but I, I don't think that we're going to get any production from the Patriots. I don't think that – I mean, it's Bill Belichick. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, discount his genius because uh, he's a great quarterback. He's a great coach. Uh, he's a great 
quarterback whisper, although we didn't really see it last season. Um, I, I think that, I don't know, they, they may surprise people, but as far as advice goes, I'm staying away and I'm telling everybody to stay away from any Patriots wide receiver. I just didn't see anything from that position last season. And I didn't see anything from the most important position, which is a position that helps that position, the quarterback. I didn't see anything from it and I don't see any improvement unless they can uh, decide to, because from what I've heard, uh, Cam is a starter, correct? Yes. I'm, Pretty much sure he's going to at least start week one. <laughs> now, if he starts, I'm staying away. Now, that's not to say that at some point they don't do the old switcheroo and bring in the guy who they believe is the future of that franchise. If if that happens, then maybe the fact that NFL teams aren't quite ready for like a Justin Herbert type of situation, teams aren't quite ready for him to take the helm, then maybe the wide receiver production goes up you know, a little bit. But even then, I don't think it's enough to, uh, you know, require someone to draft one of these guys. These are guys that you can pick up off the waiver wire during a bye week if you really need. Or if you start seeing some sort of production, it's a guy that I'd, you know, be waiver wire shopping. I, I wouldn't draft any of these guys. Yeah. Uh, Aguilar's intriguing, but uh, the problem is he, he sort of made his name last year. The Raiders as a big downfield threat. Um. Yeah, Cam who's going to get him the ball down deep? <laughs> well, that, Cam can't may, throw it three feet. Maybe Cam is improved throwing between five and ten yards, but I, I'm not going to buy that passes over 20 yards are going to start all of a sudden hitting the mark when uh, that wasn't even his greatest skill set back when he was healthy and good. So I, I just – I don't know. I, I just sort of moved Patriots, pretty much all of them, off uh, my draft boards overall, uh, other than maybe Damian Harris at running back. Uh, but even then, then you're starting to mess around with the uh, New England running back backfield. And that becomes a little scary. Here's a sleeper for you from New England, the kicker. <laughs> They're going to be kicking a lot of field goals. <laughs> All right. So uh, any other guys you uh, have on your uh, sort of sleeper or uh, bus list? Uh, that you think uh, might be worth uh, either drafting or staying away from? No, I, I like I said earlier, I think that the wide receiver pool is really deep and I wouldn't concern myself too much if you can't grab one of those top five, top four elite guys. Uh, I think that, you know, you'd probably be doing your team a better service drafting a bunch of middle tier guys uh, in the later rounds uh, because that position itself is really deep and, um, I think it's more important to fill holes with those other tougher positions like the running backs and things like that. Yeah. I had a couple guys. I, I, I really like, uh, I don't know, you know, sleepers, a stupid term now, cause everybody knows where every one of these guys is now. It's not like anybody doesn't know, but I, I look for Brandon. Ayuk, the San Francisco 49ers guy to make a little bit of a jump. Uh, I, I'm curious about Brashad Perriman. We talked about Jared Goff and the Lions. Uh, that's probably their number one receiving threat. I assume they're going to throw the ball pretty solidly. And uh, when he was in Tampa uh, two years ago, when he was the last of that receiving threat, him and uh, Jameis Winston made a, a nice little uh, connection there. Uh, Lacavia Chenault out of Jacksonville. I I've always really, really liked him. And then uh, on the rookie side of things, I, I mean, everybody knows Jamar Chase. 
you know, Devontae Smith, all those Bama guys. But uh, I'm actually looking at uh, Rondell Moore out of Arizona. Little Purdue guy, little uh, sort of explosive uh, jitterbug out there that uh, really can move and was really, really great for Purdue his freshman year and, and just sort of struggled, uh, you know, to stay healthy those last two years. But uh, those are some guys I- I'm looking at, and uh, I'd probably move up my draft board as a little bit of sleepers. All right, we're going to move to the last position. We're going to the tight ends. Mm. So tight ends, uh, I-, I think we all pretty much have – one at the uh, top, top, and then it sort of filters down. <laughs> I, I'm curious if you, uh, I, I mean, I think you could talk Kelsey into uh, yourself into taking Kelsey towards that back end of the first round. If you're going like receiver first round, uh, Kelsey's uh, and, and just as elite as any of those guys. And really the predi- position difference between Kelsey and then you drop off into a Waller or a Kittle or a Hawkins sign is really, really different. But uh, any other guys you're going to move into the Kelsey category this year, you got Kelsey and then a line and then uh, a host, a couple other guys. Uh, Honestly, as far as the tight end position is concerned um, for me, there's only three guys that I consider drafting whatsoever. Um, And that's obviously Kelsey. Um, Kittle and Waller. Yeah. And after that, I think the drop-off is pretty huge. Uh, I think that the tight end position um, has become probably more scarce than the running back position. Oh yeah. Um, but because the tight ends don't run the ball because they're not getting as many touches as running backs are, even though that position is really scarce, it's not as important um, as the running backs are. Um, that being said, uh, I mean, if you can get one of those three guys, I think you're in good shape for the season, for the entire season. But if not, I think you're going to find yourself playing the matchup game when it comes to the tight end, um, going up against defenses who give up a lot of points to tight ends and things like that. Uh, Maybe, you know, defenses that are lacking um, at the linebacker position or things like that, Uh, plug and play type of thing. Because I really think that if you don't have one of those three guys, I think that you're you're, you're in a tough spot. You're going to find yourself making a lot of moves during the waiver wire. Yeah. Uh, I'll go over a couple guys that I'm curious about. Um, First off, we'll go with the rookie Kyle Pitts. Uh, You know, elite, elite. uh, Will probably be in that Travis Kelsey class in a couple years. I'm just curious, would you waste, uh, you know, probably a third, fourth, fifth round pick on a Kyle Pitts based on maybe – the capabilities of doing, you know, uh, making that leap so quick. I, I, I don't know if I'd go there quite this quick, but I mean, there's a ton of talent there. So I, I'm just curious where you would put uh, Kyle Pitts in there, or would you just stay steady and maybe take a, you know, a Mark Andrews, a Dallas Goddard, you know, a Hawkinson, guys who have proven it and you know you're going to get at least production ahead of him, or are you just jumping uh, Kyle Pitts just right under the Kelsey Waller Kittle no, category? Uh, no, I, I definitely have Andrews uh, ahead. Uh, I think that um, as much as I like Pitts, I think Pitts is, is going to be a great prospect. Uh, I just, we don't know. We haven't seen it on the field at a professional level yet. So that always makes me a little weary. Uh, Right now, before the season starts, I have Andrews slightly ahead. Now, I still wouldn't draft Andrews. 
and I still wouldn't draft Pitts. Now, if somehow he he was on the on you know still available on the board with your last pick, I I don't see why you wouldn't take a guy like that because we know that young quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks, you know all these young first year, second year, third year quarterbacks, they love those security blankets, whether it be a running back or a tight end, you know, and it doesn't get much bigger as far as targets go than a tight end that you're talking about a big safety blanket. You're talking about one of those weighted blankets that makes you feel really comfy and, and cozy and helps you go to sleep. That's what tight ends are. And that's probably what he's going to become. I think the potential and the ceiling are really high, but until I see a little bit of it, I don't feel comfortable like actually putting stock into a, wasting a pick uh, for a guy like that. And again, could the, the potential is definitely there for him to be really good and have a really good season. But until I see it, I'm just staying away. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think I'd grab him early, early. Uh, but I, I don't know if I could hate on someone who would do it, but it, it just, I, I don't think I could make that jump quite uh, yet, but I, I'm going to give you a couple sleeper guys who I think I definitely grab late. If I didn't get my elite, uh, I, I cut it off past uh, actually Kittle. And if I don't get uh, a Kelsey Waller Kittle, I cut it off. And then basically I'm grabbing stuff at the end because I'll just rotate and pick matchups. But a couple of guys I, I think can make a little bit of a jump uh, here. Uh, I'm going to talk about Tyler Higby, your guy. I, I've always loved Tyler Higby. Uh, Everett's out of there now. He's up at uh, Seattle. So it's it's just Higby there. And uh, if, if you look at a couple of the games that Higby's played, when Gerald Everett has missed games, it's been Higby's guest games. And we're talking like 770 with a couple touchdowns. He had a 100-yard game with about eight catches in there when Everett didn't play. So I'm very curious if maybe with Everett out of there, finally we get a lot of Higby. Uh, I, I know he's not, you know, an elite-level blocker, and McVay, you know, likes to play that tight in there and uh, have him stay in and block. But uh, Higby's just an explosive, explosive receiving threat. So I really think Higby can make a jump there. So uh, if you could grab him towards the end, I, I think you could get a little bit. And then uh, Jonu Smith, who's uh, we just talked about not picking New England guys, but uh, I, I said Cam might have improved on the five-yard throws. I, I think if, blanket. The, if the five-yard throws are going anywhere, they're probably going to Jonu Smith. Uh, I, I know they signed Hunter Henry, but he's already a little banged up. And uh, if you followed Hunter Henry, uh, career a little banged up is pretty much uh, his uh, <laughs> his motto. So uh, I, I like Janu Smith there. I think he'll be a, a good end zone threat too. So those were a couple of guys I was looking in there. Uh, you could also throw Evan Ingram in there, but uh, I, I think uh, I'm about out on the Evan Ingram. We get the four really good games and then the uh, uh, about 10 worthless games. So uh, Tyler Higby uh, and uh, Jonu Smith, I really think can make a, a jump, maybe not into that elite category, but up into that second tier category if uh, things break right. Yeah, I, I, you know, as far as the Higby thing is concerned, uh, I'm, I'm, the only thing that causes a little bit of pause for me is the fact that there's a new quarterback there. I know that uh, Jared Goff really liked him. He was a big target for him. And uh, there was even a couple of plays last season where they kind of handed it off to him for a running back, uh, for a running play, sorry. So 
he's very versatile. Uh, like you said, he's not he's not as good of a blocker as uh, Everett was, but he does a lot of things and a lot of things pretty well. So he's got that going for him. Uh, I don't know what the relationship between him and Stafford's going to look like going forward. So that's the only thing that gives me a little bit of pause there. Yeah. All right. Anything on the uh, tight ends is that you had? Sleepers, bust, uh, big on Gronkowski, uh, first second round. Yeah, I'm taking I'm taking Gronkowski <laughs> with my first pick. <laughs> Just like All the right. good old days. Well, that's our fantasy football show. I think a great uh, icebreaker to start out the season. Like I said, we'll be back Friday to start our NFL team previews. We're going to start out with the AFC East and the NFC East. We'll get into some team previews. We'll be here every Friday for those. And then once the season starts, we'll have our uh, – Back to our two-show allotment. Uh, Tuesdays, we'll do a recap of the week. Fridays, we'll do our uh, picks and previews. So a lot to look forward to. Be sure to look for us also on Football Time as me and the Dynamite continue our college football previews. Uh, We'll have another show out tomorrow, Thursday, as we break down the AAC and uh, the Conference USA. So a lot going on. Football's in uh, full bore. Also, soccer's getting ready to kick off. We might breakdown and have a uh, soccer preview as those domestic leagues start. I I don't know if the Achilles has been following uh, the uh, movement in the soccer leagues, but uh, I've I've got my soccer ball here. Oh, wait, no, that's not a soccer ball. (laughs) But uh, all right, be ready for our preview. Anything you got to add, plug and play for us, uh, Achilles? Nope. We're just going back to last season. Don't forget, follow me on social media, Twitter, TD Achilles. You can follow me on Facebook under Achilles Rain. And I've also got a little TikTok thing that I started. I haven't posted anything yet, but as we get the season kicked off and get it rolling, uh, we definitely get some videos on there, maybe some little gambling advice, things like that. Yeah, definitely so. All right. That's our show. Be sure to follow all our podcasts on the greenlightnetwork.org. I'm Champ Chesterfield for Achilles Rain. That's our show, and we're out. We're back, baby. Thank you.